0: Why does it happen, though?
1: Well, a frozen shoulder is almost like the body trying to protect itself from pain, and creates an inflammatory reaction. <laughs> and creates <weirdly>. more
0: pain. <laughs> yes, it's strange how that works. <laughs> Not it?
1: clever. Normally, you have an event. Okay. So you can jolt your shoulder, having a stumble and grabbing a banister, and you think, oh, nothing of it. And then about a week or ten days later, you start to get, I know, I'm just annoyance, nothing more. Yeah, yeah. And then it builds up gradually.
0: Is that like the pre-freeze? Welcome to Surgical Goals, the podcast that brings you a unique insight into the world of sport and shines a light on many of the injuries picked up along the way. My name is Jennifer Riach and with the help of orthopaedic surgeon Professor Gordon Mackay, we're going to delve into that fascinating side of the sporting world. And this is part two of the shoulder. We have already covered some of the many injuries that you can unfortunately experience on your shoulder. But this one here, part two, we're covering collarbones, arthritis and frozen shoulder. So let's get stuck in. So obviously, right beside all the shoulder, we've got the bones and everything. I'm now just sort of sitting feeling my own sort of shoulder area. The (laughs) collarbone is quite prominent. Yeah, I know, I actually do. The collarbone is quite prominent. Does that take a big impact when you hurt your shoulder as well? Is that part of the shoulder?
1: Yeah, I would regard it as part of the shoulder. Absolutely an essential part of the shoulder. The clavicle is a wee bit unusual. An unusual bone takes an awful lot of the force, as I mentioned, from, from your upper limb or your shoulder to the, your main skeleton. Yeah, so, so that's it,
0: connecting to the breastbone. is that It what connects we to the yeah.
1: breastbone by very strong ligament support. Okay. And in fact, if the breastbone connection of the collarbone gets disrupted, that's usually like a car accident. And it's very serious if it springs the collarbone back the way because it can compress important arteries and vessels, nerves there. So uh, absolutely crucial if it goes back the way. It's dangerous and a bit of an emergency, although most frequently when it is injured, and that's not very often, it tends to come forward. Okay. But anyway, the collarbone is intriguing. Yeah. Some throwaway facts okay, about the collarbone. Okay, go on, okay. fat
0: fans, let's uh, do it. Yeah, okay, it's <laughs> S-shaped.
1: And it's It's what? It's S-shaped. S-shaped, and it's a flat bone, a relatively flat bone. How is that
0: S-shaped?
1: So, folk imagine it's completely round, but it's relatively flat, especially more so as you go out the way laterally. That's
0: amazing. Everyone has got to be feeling their (laughs) collarbone right now. It's
1: unique in the skeleton, and it's the first to form any centres of ossification or to appear as a bone in the developing embryo. oh
0: right. So, it's the first one there. The
1: first one there at five to six weeks of gestation. Then you can see signs of calcification in wow. your collarbone which is remarkable
0: that is amazing
1: but equally remarkable it's the last one to calcify and mature into a solid bone All
0: and right. that doesn't
1: happen until somewhere between 21 and 25 years
0: what <laughs> i was so, thinking you might say like four or five like as a small child 21 yeah, to 25 years so, that's so what got, does that
1: mean it's got to say something about function well for example when a, a child's been born yeah the ability for the the collarbone to be very flexible during delivery has got to be important, ideally without fracture. Good for the the mum
0: as well. (laughs) Yeah, well,
1: it's teamwork, yeah. I think. (laughs) Got to be flexible, (laughs) pull the shoulders in. (laughs) And so the the collarbone has an important role there and it does act as a wee bit of a crumple zone, so it's slightly different. And I suspect that unique nature of it in terms of the mechanics and also the fact that it rotates along its axis. So it's S-shaped and it rotates. Okay. And the word clavicle comes from the Latin for key. Oh, and okay. that means it turns. So uh-huh. the turning key of the clavicle is very cleverly construed. So it rotates a little as you elevate your arm and move it forward. Sure. it positioning it perfectly. And it allows the shoulder blade as well, which it attaches to, to move and position itself perfectly to support the shoulder. The best way to think of it is really like a seal balancing a ball in its nose. Right. So the shoulder blade <laughs> is moving around trying to keep that ball in the center. Right. And the rotating or positioning of the collarbone is important. Wow. But... If it has to be sacrificed, it is sacrificed. So when you're younger, it hasn't fully calcified, so it's likely to be more... Is uh, it
0: more uh, flexible? I
1: suspect so. Right, yeah. okay. I have to double-check in that, Jennifer. But <laughs> it's got, I, I would say yes. I'm
0: going to say yes, too. That I'll sounds yes. about right. Well, if it's not fully calcified, it means it's not as... Yeah, so... I suppose it's brittle as it's Yeah, strong. so I
1: think you can tumble around as a child and teenager and you'd be much less likely to f- fracture your collarbone or else you'd be breaking it all the time. Yeah. But as an adult, it's a solid bone and therefore more, more vulnerable to fracture... And it does protect the nerves and vessels that the plumbing and electrics that run to your arm yeah. pass underneath the middle third of your collarbone.
0: Okay. So that's very so vital. It's quite an
1: important structure, but also explains partly why it's uncomfortable when you break it there. Okay. Yeah. No wonder. So it, yeah, there are some sensitive structures. Remarkably, if you do break it there as an adult, as some professional cyclist like Lance Armstrong will testify, you can get a plate popped on. It's immediately fixed and stabilised while it's healing and you can be back in your turbo trainer within 24, 40 hours. No. Depending on how mad you are. What? Yeah, these guys seem to do that. They don't break stride, okay?
0: (gasps) So a plate as in a metal plate just goes in... Fuses it together, I presume.
1: It stabilizes it so that you don't experience any pain while it's healing. So it compresses the ends and okay. it stabilises it. So it hasn't actually healed, but it's stable.
0: Do you take that metal plate out?
1: It can be removed, but it's double edged because if you remove the plate, you leave wee weak links where of the course. screws have been in the bone. Yeah. Which might create stress fractures or weak points for future fracture. Yeah and there's a wee risk of infection, doing secondary procedures etc. But if you leave it there and you have another injury then you have a possibility there might be some bent metal work in there <laughs> depending on the force involved. So I think a lot of people if it's not troubling you under the skin would be tended to leave it. Just right. let it be.
0: Will it heal quite well itself then?
1: It will heal well with the plate but it will also heal effectively without, without plate. Without the plate, yeah. And the collarbone has a tremendous capacity to heal. I mean a lot of parents will be with kids and they'll look at an x-ray and think the bones don't seem to even be yeah, touching. Yeah. yet. Remarkably, that remodelling process can take place. Wow. But sometimes, it, because there's so much movement there, it develops into a non-union. Basically, scar tissue gets between the bone ends, and that can be uncomfortable, and it can affect shoulder function. And then it's more of a challenge, because it has to be taken down, plated, and bone grafted. Ooh. So so sometimes it presents a challenge. But on the whole, it's a great design. It's very effective. Okay. Okay. But it reminds me how close the shoulder is to the neck.
0: Yeah, and again, a neck is not something you want to hurt. If you're taking a lot of impact, it could be. Yeah,
1: it could be. Head injury, neck injury can all be related to shoulder impact. It's always important that the neck's checked when when you're managing a shoulder problem because a bad injury to your neck can result in nerve injury, either a result of disc protrusion or even fracture, but it can present as shoulder pain or arm symptoms, sensitive arm pain and weakness.
0: That also feels a bit unfair, doesn't it? You're like, I've got a uh, really sore shoulder, it's
1: all about your neck. It's all about your neck. But it's one of these things that routinely... When we're assessing a shoulder, you should check the neck.
0: How would you know that it's, if you're getting pain when you're lifting the shoulder, how do you know that it's a neck injury instead?
1: Well, sometimes the patient declares it very easily. Like they feel as if they have to support their head and then you're worried that there's a real injury. For example, a mountain biker that's gone over the handlebars, it's not unheard of that they might have a, a vertebral fracture. In those situations, the patients will give you clues and also the degree of splinting. But often it's just a kind of subtle thing. So what you're really looking for is, one, is the patient aware of neck discomfort? Do they have any tingling, numbness as well as weakness? And if they do, is it affected by neck position? If they flex and extend their neck or if they look to the right or left, does this accentuate the discomfort? If you find that that's controlling some of the arm and limb pain, then you have to think very seriously about the neck and exclude a more serious proximal injury before you focus on the shoulder.
0: I think that's really interesting, though, that when you think of one injury, it's not just the shoulder you need to consider. There's so much more to it. You're looking at collarbones, you're looking at necks, you're looking at everything in the surrounding area. So if you do have that kind of injury, speak to someone who knows what they're talking about.
1: Yeah, yeah. You don't want to miss a a situation where there's a referred pain. So it's not to scare you. Most people won't have a neck injury, (laughs) but just bear it in mind. It's a bit like someone examining someone's hip or knee for persistent pain and missing the fact that they've actually got sciatica and a problem with the lower back that's causing the referred pain. So it's along those lines, so a simple screening of the neck Will give you some confidence before you focus on the shoulder.
0: I suppose it's remembering that the body is one big machine. It's not separate parts, they're all connected. I think one thing again that sort of taken as a as a theme across a lot of our conversations is do get things done in good time. Don't wait for a long time. Yes. What kind of time frame is a good time frame to be getting treated?
1: You're starting to sound like one of my patients, <laughs> as you say. and, and, and more frequently the parents of one of my patients yeah. because they're always anxious about that window. How yeah. long is it? In truth, it's variable between the individual. Of course. It depends a little on the extent of injury and it depends on their general health. But there is a wee feeling that between week two and week four, there's a really nice window where tissues can still heal and approximate and settle. If, however, someone's had this for six months, nine months, two years, and they say at first they've put up with the cosmetics and they say, that's okay because my shoulder still works reasonably. It weakens it a bit, but it still works reasonably. They they don't want any surgery. But then if your end of your collarbone is jumping in and out, it starts to become an arthritic kind of stump to the, the, and then it becomes painful. So they often will come back at a later stage and say, I would like to get this addressed now. Problem at that stage, when all the tissues have withered away and you've got more arthritis in the joint, that if you deal with the, the area of arthritis and smooth it off, you lose some of the bony stability and it makes that instability worse. Yeah. It becomes more of a challenge to regain stability. And if the tissues have weathered, what are you going to do next? Yeah. So you have to take tissue from somewhere else. Okay. So often you'll end up taking maybe a hamstring tissue, sure. transfer it to the shoulder to reconstruct these ligaments, still protecting it with an additional augmentation and doing the other steps. But it's become more complicated. Yeah. You're using bigger tunnels and small bones. yeah Okay. Bigger tunnels and small bones. Higher risk of complications. Higher risk of fracture. Higher risk of infection, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. So you've taken something that is maybe challenging but manageable and made it complicated.
0: More complicated. Yeah. So in in theory, you probably shouldn't leave things if you can possibly avoid it.
1: If you can be assessed at an early stage, I think there's That's always it's, it's always a positive thing to do. Yeah. Seek seek appropriate advice.
0: What is the difference between? like your high-impact injuries versus weight and tear, because there must be yeah. sports like golf, for yeah. instance, as yeah. so I can think of, where you're moving it back and forward. Yeah. And I remember what I task to ask, and this is important. <laughs> when you talked about arthritis on the bone, yeah. what is that? What uh, is that? Right. What's actually happening? Because I, I hear sort of arthritis, and you think... Maybe mobility issues. Yeah, you think of like mm. swollen fingers yeah, like yeah. when you're maybe a bit older? What yeah. is arthritis on this bone? What are you dealing with?
1: Well, it's a bit like you were saying that you're getting to appreciate the appropriate intervention at times, important early mobilizations, important. Because these principles apply to all joints and situations. The same with arthritis. Arthritis is really when you start to get a more hostile environment within a joint. You get breakdown within of, of the veneer of the highly polished cartilage that, uh, that allows joints to move smoothly against each other. Okay, It becomes roughened and coarse. You get thickening of the capsule so the joint becomes stiffer. You get overgrowth of bone as it tries to increase the surface area and protect itself it becomes more sensitive because there's more fluid in it and more inflammation of the lining of the joint. Okay. So an arthritic joint, just as you say, with an arthritic joint in your finger, which is very visible, that arthritic process is being mirrored, whether it's a shoulder that's been dislocated too often or um, an AC joint that's been disrupted and unstable for too long. The Symptoms of arthritis are, are very similar in these different locations.
0: Because you can get arthritis without necessarily having injury, can't you? That it can be a condition that you unfortunately yeah. experience, but it can also yeah. be brought on by yeah. maybe not treating an injury. Is no, that fair?
1: It's a really g- good point, actually. We've only been talking about instabilities around the shoulder yeah. because these are traumatic events and, and the two main areas affected. But a lot of us will experience discomfort in a shoulder because of attrition and wear and tear. Yeah. And wear and tear is the polite way of saying early arthritis, okay? Okay. Kind of tiptoe around it. It's a wee bit (laughs) wear and tear there, but it's really, you've got some arthritis. As I was saying, the collarbone takes an awful lot of force and load. So if you've got a physical job or a physical sport, and especially if it involves above shoulder activities, Mm -hmm. almost inevitably... By the time you're in your late 40s, going to 50s, you'll have a slight prominence at the end of your collarbone. You'll be aware of a wee bit of grind probably there. And that sets some modest arthritis, but it's wear and tear from life. So unless it's particularly symptomatic, generally you can ignore it. So I could see someone with a problem inside their shoulder and x-ray it and see that they've got some arthritis. Or we are doing an MRI scan and it says, oh, evidence of arthritis in AC joint. But if it's clinically asymptomatic, we don't treat the scan, we treat the patient. So you can get arthritis and wear, and that can cause its own problems. And repetition can create instability as well. If you're doing the same thing again and again and again, it can subtly create problems over time. But it's slightly different.
0: Okay. So there's obviously your high-impact sports, but then... Again, just sort of bringing it back to sport and looking at things, I presume golf is something that would maybe give you a wee bit of the repetition in your shoulder, stuff it, like that? It
1: can. Folk can experience often soft tissue irritation around okay. your shoulder through golf, but it's not necessarily overt instability yeah. uh, and it's not even necessarily full-blown arthritis, but it can be a wee mixture a of it. It's a you as you're getting a wee bit older, if, if the AC joint becomes slightly arthritic, it becomes thicker, mm-hmm. so there's less space for the rotator cuff tendon to pass freely underneath it. So if you're golfing and you're going through that wee golf pattern, yeah. it's very common for you to start to feel a little irritation, whether it be impingement, which is nipping of the shoulder, and thickening of a bursa, which is a wee sac that allows the shoulder to move freely. Okay. It can be very sensitive and can flare up during repetitive activities. Yeah. And then the next step beyond that of concern would be when you start to get wear and tear and irritator cuff which holds the shoulder in place, it can start to fray like the heel of a sock and then you get a partial tear and it starts to nip a bit more frequently and then it can become a complete tear. Then it needs to be actively managed. Right, And it's an important message for people that when you do experience pain, be sensitive to it in your shoulder. Because it's not until you've had a really painful shoulder do you appreciate how much disturbance it can cause, okay? It can be horrible. It disturbs your sleep. You can't lie on the affected side. It gets you depressed, really. of course. And one of the commonest presentations we see in terms of shoulder pain are people with frozen shoulders.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask, what is frozen shoulder? Because I thankfully have never experienced, I've never seen it, but it sounds horrible. Well,
1: Well, a frozen shoulder is the name that People casually attach to any shoulder problem it would (laughs) appear. Okay. Uh, Incorrectly, of course. But it's just, oh, I've got a frozen shoulder. But they often don't. But a frozen shoulder is very, very clear. you really
0: can't move it.
1: Well, it comes in degrees, but you really can You can move the shoulder blade, which is deceptive. Okay. So you can still lift your arm almost to the horizontal away from your body because your shoulder blade does that. Mm -hmm. And you can bring it forward again almost to the horizontal because your shoulder blade swings around your ribcage. Sure. But because your shoulder blade doesn't go back the way, you can't spin your arm out from your side.
0: That's not good for tennis. No, it's not (laughs) good for tennis.
1: Not good for your dance moves. (laughs) It it causes all sorts of problems. So a frozen shoulder is very simple. Three characteristic features. okay? Okay. So if you have these, there's a very high chance you've got a frozen shoulder. Classically, it causes stiffness. Yep. It causes eye watering pain with sudden unexpected movements. Ooh. So you grab a car door, you ah. roof put your jacket on, and suddenly it catches your breath for a few seconds, and you think, oh, gee. And it can tingle all the way down your arm. You can feel it to your fingers. You can get more sense to the elbow, and you feel it often around the badge area where your deltoid inserts. Okay. Although the problem is principally at the front of your shoulder. Right. Uh, the, most of the inflammation is around the biceps tendon at the front, although the whole shoulder is involved. And the last one, sleep disturbance. So stiffness. Eye watering pain with sudden movements, sleep disturbance, very high chance you've got a frozen shoulder.
0: Why does it happen though?
1: Well, a frozen shoulder is almost like the body trying to protect itself from pain and creates an inflammatory reaction. <laughs> and creates <weirdly>. more
0: pain. <laughs> yes, it's
1: strange how that works. <laughs> Not clever. Not so clever. Normally, you have an event, it can be very modest and unfortunately affects certain people more. Okay, more. Yeah. So, females, unfortunately. Okay. Are affected. Females of a certain age are at a higher risk, so maybe from mid 40s. It's associated with certain conditions such as diabetes or endocrine situations like thyroid disease or elevated hyperlipidemia, even. There are some medical associations, but usually there's no obvious association. And it's triggered by anything that causes pain. Okay. So you can jolt your shoulder having a stumble and grabbing a banister. And you think, oh, nothing of it. In fact, you might even have thought you twisted your ankle or something distracts you. And then about a week or 10 days later, you start to get, I'm just annoying. nothing more. Yeah, yeah. And then it builds up gradually. Is that
0: like the pre freeze? It's like do doom,
1: do doom, do doom. And then
0: you're still in the fridge. You're not yeah, quite in the freezer yeah, yet. Yeah, you've not quite you reached the
1: freezer. You'll know when you're in the freezer. Okay. Oh. You're, because it really is painful. It's horrible. So it's as if you're, you're trying to guard the shoulder so you don't hurt it and protect it. And the, the response is excessive. We don't fully understand it, to be honest, but we know it runs a characteristic pattern. Okay. So it runs roughly over 18 months, to two years.
0: Oh, really? Have six
1: months of increasing pain and stiffness. You then have six months where it's really not so uncomfortable or sensitive, but it's still just as stiff. You still struggle with movements. Mm-hmm. And then you have another six to 12 months where the shoulder starts to thaw out. You go
0: and back into the fridge. You, yeah, you go
1: back <laughs> in the fridge and then back out to the sun. And, and, and usually you recover most of your function. Although during that period when the shoulder's really stiff, you can aggravate your rotator cuff, you can cause other problems. So it needs to be managed sensitively, ideally getting diagnosed early, managed appropriately. It will cut it off at the pass, hopefully. I was
0: going to say, can you do anything? If you start to feel that sort of, I suppose, that pre-freeze, you're in the yeah. fridge, you feel, can you stop it going into full freeze mode?
1: Yes, you can. turn. Well, you can't really uh, absolutely stop it, but you can modify it. Okay. So you, can, you might shorten the duration of it and the severity of it. So if the diagnosis is made early, it will save you a lot of pain Because if the physiotherapist thinks it's just stiffness or impingement Because it often presents that way Then sometimes your exercises actually aggravate the shoulder And make it more uncomfortable and you get a rebound from it Right. So if it's diagnosed early, often a steroid injection is very effective Because what you're trying to do is reduce the inflammation Before it gets too established And you don't want to provoke the shoulder too much during that early recovery phase Right. If you do provoke the shoulder, then you get a full-blown condition It gets harder to manage Mm. Appropriate pain relief Gentle mobilisation But not yeah. forcing the shoulder And maintaining simple little exercises Can see you through the worst of it Okay But it's still going to be A painful experience
0: It just feels like A very unfair injury to have <laughs> Like I don't really understand Why it should happen I feel like it's just One of those things That you get a bit yeah. unlucky I know there's obviously Risk factors in yeah. there People are more predisposed to it
1: But yeah. It's hard to explain why Because you're not
0: actually like You're not falling off a, no. a horse Or no. you're not doing anything like that It's just a gradual and that, annoyance. And that
1: creates the problem with the diagnosis. So for example, for sure. even even a flu vaccine can give you a wee bit of tenderness in your arm. Yeah. And you don't move it quite freely for, uh, for a couple of weeks. And then doo-doo, doo-doo. <laughs> it starts, you know, so it can be as simple as that. And then you've, you're lumbered with this problem that's going to affect your life for the yeah. next 18 months. It's known as a frozen shoulder because it's kind of very prevalent and it covers lots of things. But it is a common problem and a serious problem and yeah. it can really limit you. In the worst cases, sometimes we'll do a surgical release, which is just a keyhole way of unpicking the, the scar tissue that's formed all around your shoulder. Okay. That can relieve pain and accelerate recovery. Although there's always a risk, if you're high risk, of, of some rebound even after that. But for those that it's effective for, they often say like, I felt like an old woman, I just could da-da. and yeah. now I feel I've got my old self back. That's, that's the, amazing. That's, the, that's almost the, the most frequent expression you hear.
0: And it will, though, ultimately sort itself out. Do you need to get medical treatment? Obviously, you can be more comfortable if you do, but say you get into that full freeze, you can't just let it run its course?
1: The majority of people can let it run its course. The truth is, once you're sleeping again and the pain's manageable, most people can tolerate stiffness and work around it as the shoulder thaws out. It's that painful zone. It's really horrible, actually. It must be like the equivalent of having toothache constantly over oh. us, kind of over that period of time. Yeah. So it's an understated condition because it really is disabling, but it can be managed with appropriate advice, either from the physiotherapist or a wee bit more through a specialist.
0: Right. Okay. So I just have frozen shoulder just sounds rubbish. It really does. <laughs> but it's more manageable, I suppose, than a lot of the other conditions and problems that we've spoken about as yeah. well with like the ACL or the sorry the AC yeah. joint and everything. You need to consider everything.
1: It has to be considered. Go and Uh, go and uh, see someone who knows you. I'm saying that for the benefit of my lawyer. Okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Always thinking, Gordon. Always thinking. No, but it's important that you go and see somebody. If you Uh are concerned, like we said again through every podcast, if you are concerned about a pain or a niggle or something, go and speak to somebody about it. Appropriate
1: early advice will always, always help. We're not trying to drum up work, but it is good advice.
0: Definitely. Well, Gordon, I think we've covered the shoulder quite comprehensively. Is there anything I've missed that you think we need to discuss?
1: No, I think we haven't touched on fractures, but we'll leave that for another day. (laughs) You know, you can break bones and pull off little bits when you fall. Your rotator cuff can lift a wee bit of bone off. So sometimes basic x-rays are very helpful after soft tissue injury to exclude these simple things. Because if there is a straightforward fracture, it can be easily fixed and problem remedied, yeah. rather than presenting three months later when it's a problem. So
0: I almost forgot that the bones break. I was too busy thinking about the bits right about it I and they don't move and get stretched. We're, and... we're
1: soft tissue specialists, you know. <laughs> the skeleton's just there to add a wee bit of support. It's <laughs> the dressing that's important. Well, like, pu- pulling all our themes together, okay? Yeah. If you dislocate your shoulder at my age and come off a mountain bike, for example, and I've a wee bit of bone off from my rotator cuff.
0: Your age is roughly where? Oh, versus... <laughs>
1: somewhere somewhere late late 50s. But anyway, I'll say mid 50s. time got a horrible actually, thing to do now. Actually, mid 50s. If, if you're right, roughly at that age yeah. and you dislocate your shoulder and the x-ray shows that there is indeed a, a fracture, then at first that could be good news because I'm not going to need a, a soft tissue tendon repair. The quality of the repair depends on my tendon, yeah. which might be a bit weathered. Therefore, the idea of fixing a fracture is a desirable outcome. Downside is, that I could get a lovely outcome from the fracture being fixed, but because I've traumatized my shoulder and I'm slightly older, I might have a higher chance of getting a frozen shoulder that then superimposes on the initial trauma. Oh,
0: for goodness sake. You see? Yeah, so so I can horrible. get off to a
1: flying start, think I'm back in a winner, yeah. and then find that I'm actually on the slow train <laughs> because I've now developed a, a post operative <laughs> complication, I a frozen shoulder. So i have be mindful of all these things. So early movement, early intervention, early movement, I might just skip through that with the best possible result. Yeah. So, fractures can sometimes be beneficial, but the picture's never quite as clear as you would imagine. No, I that's why imagine. most people need some advice.
0: Basically, don't hurt yourself. That's yes, good advice. <laughs> stay in your bike,
1: avoid those tackles, just duck out of them. Okay, let the big guy behind you do the tackling. Don't
0: get injuries, and that would totally take away this yeah, podcast, to it, be fair. So. <laughs>
1: it would take away the podcast, and I'd be in the golf course. So, uh, I think for those that enjoy sport and are listening to this, when you've forgotten all about this podcast and you suddenly feel shoulder pain, yeah. please come back and have a listen.
0: Yeah, exactly. We'll <laughs> it give will me some mean tips. so much more when you're in pain. <laughs> hey, thank you so much, Curtis. brilliant.
1: <laughs> thank you.